Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Well, actively managed ETFs are really starting to make uh, a splash on the JSE. And if you're looking for something that's well positioned in the fixed income space, uh, well, then this next story is certainly for you. Global Investment Manager Portfolio Metrics announced recently that it's going to be listing an actively managed exchange traded income fund on the JSE. Uh, around the end of January. And we know ETFs are are very popular because of their low costs. Uh, But when it comes to actively managed ETFs, we're seeing uh, a whole new range of innovation and a portfolio construction in the underlying come to market. Uh, And certainly at this time, when investors are uh, looking at fixed income, when they're also looking maybe to position in a falling interest rate environment. This is a very interesting new addition. I'm joined by Philip Bradford, uh, the firm's head of investments uh, for South Africa, uh, former head of the uh, CFA Society of South Africa, and uh, former um, uh, Sassfin head of wealth, was it, Philip? Four years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. Chief investment officer. I used to run uh, fixed income mandates there as well. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been that long since we last spoke that I couldn't remember your former title. I hope things are going well. (laughs) Just talk to me firstly about um, actively managed exchange traded funds versus the the vanilla kind of ETF that we see in the market, and really what sets them apart. Yeah, Michael, it's it's an interesting question because a, an exchange traded fund, I think, has been associated with index funds. Uh, let's call them that. That track an index and then can do it quite quite cheaply, of course, because you're not paying a, an active fee for someone to do that. Uh, however, though, an, an exchange traded fund in itself is a I often like to say it's a bit like a shopping trolley. It's it's what you put in it, and uh, it was a very uh, easy vehicle for it to allow investors to get quick diversification to an index, but. An actively managed ETF is is very much the same thing. There's there's no real difference in terms of a vehicle. Um, but what we've started to see now as well is the, the sort of overlap between the two. So quite a lot of um, ETFs that are out there now sit somewhere between active and, let's say, passive. Uh, and as long as the cost is 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 a fair cost and a, and a, and a lowish cost, then I, I think the decision is, is more about what you're going to get within that exchange-traded fund. And that's a lot of what we've tried to focus on within this active income ETF is, is really allowing investors to access bonds and income instruments on the JSE that actually are very dif- difficult for both professional and individual or private investors to put, get their hands on outside of a fund like this. And, uh, you know, it's a, an important point you raise there, the fact that uh, everyone knows bonds have been performing exceptionally well, specifically South African government bonds and, and yielding returns that are very equity-like, uh, uh, but are not necessarily accessible to the ordinary uh, retail investor on the street. And you know the the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the bond market, very well. Philip, what are the characteristics of the bond market that have made it um, difficult to invest in for uh, smaller investors and, and maybe retail investors in the past? Yeah, so the South African bond market is, is quite unique, uh, mainly because it's it's corporate bond market. In other words, bonds issued by the major banks, the insurance companies, listed companies, um, those are not very accessible to most investors, simply because there's a big demand for them from the institutional market. In other words, the large asset managers, pension funds, uh, life companies, etc. And they tend to buy them when they get issued, uh, when they get auctioned off, and then they tend to hold them in their portfolios. And 
there isn't really an active secondary market in the, in those bonds. So what, what we tend to do as investors is we, we will get involved when those bonds get issued. Uh, and then all of our investors in our funds can actually get get a, get a, a access to that both ability to buy and sell out of that exposure very easily. But if you're a, a professional portfolio manager who's managing a, a portfolio for a private individual and even a, a very wealthy individual, you know, even someone like myself as a as a professional bond investor, I don't and I can't really go and buy these individual bonds very easily, and I can't sell them. So what you want as a, as an investor then is the way to access that. Uh, and particularly your corporate debt, because if you go and buy the, the bonds, the only real bonds that are accessible in South Africa are the government bonds. Uh, and even then, typically, you need to trade in quite large volumes in order to get decent access to them. And I'm talking, you know, a couple of million rand trade upwards. Um, and if you want to get access to banks issued by uh, sorry, bonds issued by the major banks like Standard Bank, First Rand, etc., uh, which are giving you nice high yields, uh, you just can't get access to them. And I find most investors are very happy to lend their money, which is essentially what you're doing when you're buying a bond, lend your money to Standard Bank or First Rand. You're happy they're going to pay you back. And if you can get a nice higher yield than you would out of the equivalent government bond instrument or much higher yield than cash, uh, then obviously for any investor, that's a very attractive investment. Absolutely. And uh, with a gross yield of 11.8%, uh, with inflation now trending to back towards that target range of the Reserve Bank of around 4.5%, I mean, in real terms, that's a 6-7% uh, yield. I mean, that is equity-like. What, what are the types of interest-bearing securities that the fund is going to be predominantly investing in and the, the kind of uh, mix of uh, of term uh, and and that kind of thing to blend together to to give that kind of gross yield. Tell me a little bit more about the underlying. So so our focus from a corporate perspective is is almost entirely with the, the major banks. So you know you, when you when you're lending money to a company uh, you want to, too big and too important to fail. I like to say is my rule. Nah. So we we lend money to the the major banks. Those tend to be what we would call floating rate bonds predominantly. In other words, bonds that are linked. To the prevailing interest rate. So if, if interest rates go up, the interest rate uh, goes up as well. If interest rates comes down, you, you it would also start coming down. Uh, and th that would make up just over 50% of the, the portfolio typically. Uh, and then we would have between sort of 40 to 50% invested in government type uh, fixed rate bonds as well, predominantly government fixed rate bonds. There are some other instruments in and around that that are linked to the banks that we buy, which also give us fixed rate instruments. But currently the portfolio We've, we've increased it over the last 18 months since bond yields uh, shot up and interest rates shot up all around the world. We've, we've increased that exposure to fixed rate instruments to about 50% of the portfolio. And, and what that gross yield of currently 11.8 means is the average interest rate of all the different instruments we hold in the fund is is 11.8 at the moment. Uh, if interest rates go up a bit more, that yield would go up. If interest rates come down, it would come down a bit. But most of the portfolio now has been fixed in at, at higher rates at this level, which is, of course, exactly what you want to do. Um, we can still buy some government bonds today at uh, 1220, just over 12.2%. Um, but you don't want to hold all of your portfolio in a 20 or 30 year government bond. Um, that tends to be quite volatile and it's not, we manage the, the liquidity and the, the smoothness of the portfolio around that. So we're actively managing that. We, we don't have any exposure to inflation linked bonds uh, and a couple of the other sort of foreign bonds that you can buy as well. We don't want any uh, equity or property exposure. We don't want any currency exchange risk, et cetera. We're focusing very much on, on 
what we would call the more vanilla bonds, the fixed rate bonds, and then the, the, the corporate the bonds issued by the major banks. So, I mean, from that perspective, you, you can see the kind of uh, risk profile that you're tolerating here, probably uh, a moderate to, to low risk profile. How does the fund plan to navigate a falling interest rate environment if uh, consensus comes to pass and, and we do start to see rates decline towards the back end of this year into 2025? Yes. So the the good news is we've positioned way ahead of that. You know, the the, the bond market's always spoken of as the smart market, mainly mm. because when you when you're buying a 20 year or a 30 year bond, you've got to have a 20 or 30 year view on the world. Uh, you can't wait for the Reserve Bank to start cutting rates. You've got to uh, plan in advance. So, you know, we, as I said, we started. Uh, planning for this uh, 18 months ago, uh, and we've steadily been adding uh, fixed rate bonds into the portfolio. In fact, you know, or six months ago, or just less than six months ago, we were we were adding in bonds at 13.20, 13.24 into the portfolio. So in other words, over 13%. So we've already started to benefit from the market factoring in rate cuts into the future. So we're very nicely positioned for that. However, though, what I, I think investors must uh, be cautious of is that you know not nothing happens in a straight line and and this is why we we're not totally invested into fixed rate uh, type bonds at the moment because you know i can virtually guarantee you that there there'll be ups and downs over this period and we've already seen this year that uh, as soon as the as soon as everyone thought that the world was going to start cutting interest rates the central bank has started saber rattling and threatening not to cut interest rates um, because that's what the, they want everyone to behave responsibly and not spend too much so I think there's likely to be a, a, a sort of a, a jagged road or a bumpy road uh, as interest rates go down, and they'll probably only start coming down in earnest later on in the year. So we we cautiously watching uh, what's going on. We might even get a chance to lock in interest rates higher, getting close to the budget speech in South Africa, etc. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the points here is that you, it's not as simple as just going buying an, a bond index fund and closing your eyes here. You, you need to understand that there's rate hiking cycles and there's rate cutting cycles uh, and you need to be able to adapt into that and and we we sit with a i suppose a foot in either camp where we will at certain points be be holding more bonds that benefit from rates going up and then at, and in this cycle now we'll be holding more from rates going down uh, and yeah I, like i say i think we're very well positioned probably the best positioned out of any of the income funds in the country to to be able to take advantage of rates coming down from here and that's really where the actively managed component of this uh, gives investors so much uh, confidence as well especially when you're talking about uh, a team that has uh, your wealth of experience and award-winning management team managing the fund and, and your track record in managing income funds you've got to know what you're doing here uh, as you said it is uh, the 800 pound uh, gorilla in the room the smart money uh, but when it comes to maybe educating the market because i do think um, uh, bonds continue to be a somewhat misunderstood and underappreciated asset class, certainly amongst retail investors, probably not so much amongst institutions. Uh, now, this is certainly going to raise the profile. How do, how do you plan to uh, address that perception? And maybe you can just give us a, a bit more insight into the kind of demand you've seen uh, since your decision to list. Yeah, so I think first of all, uh, bonds are actually a much simpler instrument than uh, than people realize. And the way I, I usually like to explain bonds to people is I say a, a bond is a bit like a fruit tree. 
uh, where a, a stock or a, the equity in a company is a bit like a, a tree in a forest. And, uh, and you know, in a fruit tree, it's all about the fruit you receive, where if you plant a tree uh, in a plantation, it's all about the growth that you're going to receive over a period of time. And the simplest example I could give of that would be if, if I want to buy standard bank shares, um, or if I want to buy a bond issued by Standard Bank, uh, the bond is literally like a glorified fixed deposit. Um, I buy a five-year bond from Standard Bank. They're going to give me a fixed interest rate for five years, and then they're going to pay it every six months, and then in or three or six months, depending on the bond, and then at the end of the five years, they give me money back, uh, all, my, all my capital back, where if I buy the shares of Standard Bank, I get, I'm entitled to some dividends, uh, hopefully, um, and then the, the capital growth or the capital loss over that period, but I never actually get my money back at the end. And I think pretty much everyone on the call would be quite happy to lend your money to Standard Bank. In other words, take out a, if, you know, if they're going to give you a five-year fixed deposit at, uh, let's say, 11.8%, like we're talking about in the fund at the moment, for the next sort of five years, everyone would be saying absolutely no problem. Uh, where if you buy their shares, you know that you're going to have some serious ups and downs and you might even lose money. So I, I think already that the the risk profile of what you get uh, from that example uh, gives in investors the, the insight as to the kind of risk you're taking in a bond versus that of a, of a stock market type instrument. And because of that, then, if you take a, 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 a portfolio managed by a professional stockbroker, as an example, there's a lot of clients that are living off the income of those portfolios. And if the only instrument you can do is buy the Standard Bank shares um, to give that client's income, then the client's going to have a lot more volatility than they would probably like or, mm. or would be comfortable experiencing. Where if, if you can lock in a yield of over 11%, that provides the income need for the client. And then the, the surplus or the growth can come from the stock market part of the portfolio, local shares, global shares, property, etc. That, that reduces the overall risk of the portfolio. Uh, and it prevents also investors, particularly in retirement, from drawing down out of the capital. Uh, and that's really, the I think, the yeah. big curse for, for investors. Yeah. And, and risk-adjusted returns, I think, is that holy grail as well, uh, you know, smoothing out that ride. Uh, and also what you're providing is a far more, say, liquid instrument than, say, an RSA retail savings bond, for example, where, you know, the, the yields may be quite similar, but you, you probably locked in for, you know, a much longer period. Yes, yeah, so, well, in a retail savings bond, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a different type of government bond. But if you, you know, if you pull out after you've bought that, you're going to lose six months worth of interest. It's you know, it's not a, a liquid instrument. Yeah. Um. So what you and you you need to realise too is that you know this is a very dynamic market. It changes all the time. You know, the same bonds we're buying at twelve percent today, we could only get, uh, you know, for for eight or nine or ten percent a year and a half ago, and uh, six months ago they were thirteen. You know, you need to you need to to and appreciate that this is a this, this is a, a quite a sophisticated market and it gets moved around and you need to be agile enough to be able to take advantage of of what's happening in the world but I, if I, you know if I could summarize my job I suppose to something simplistic I'm I'm shopping around for the best interest rates at any given point in time and um, we do it collectively for you know we manage over 15 billion rands worth of assets just in this uh, SA fixed income space uh, so we're always shopping around and looking for what are the best institutional kind of interest rates that we 
can get. Uh, and, and then investors into a, a fund or an ETF like this are just able to benefit that without having to, to worry about it at all. Yeah. And uh, let's just lastly end off on, on cost. Uh, at, at what sort of uh, all-in cost uh, for, for access, Philip? So the, the, the fund here, the active fund, is uh, just over half a percent. So it's 0.58%. That's uh, excluding VAT, um, which is, you know, obviously a, a, actually a low cost. I often argue, I think us bond managers are probably not very good business people because we're not charging <laughs> like crazy hedge fund fees. But I, I think that's also, a, a, again, it's a, it's a you know, the, the, the yield that I'm quoting net, so net of costs, which would be net of, of that kind of fee at the end of the day. Um, the capital does move around a bit, but that's the kind of income you, you're hoping to, to receive over a period of time. So it's a yeah, very attractive cost-effective way of accessing a market that, to be to be fair, none of us can access any other way. Yeah, and uh, to your earlier point about building portfolios, this seems to be a great uh, part of a core, um, in a kind of core satellite approach uh, where you can go look for uh, maybe slightly riskier, more alpha-generating returns uh, once you've got this in place. Philip Bradford, thank you very much, Head of Investments uh, at uh, Portfolio Metrics for South Africa, talking about the active income prescient, actively managed ETF here on Classic Business. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.